0: the entrepreneur who's pushing to break through the elusive 100K milestone. Wherever you are in your business, you're just 100K away. Today, our featured guest is Melinda Whitstock. And you can find her at melindawitstock.com. Let me spell Whitstock for you. That's W I T T. Stock.com, and Melinda is awesome. She's one of my favorite gal pals. I know that didn't even make sense, but she's a serial entrepreneur. She's built four businesses to six, seven, and eight figures. She ha- she's an acknowledged influencer and visionary in all things tech, media, and social, as well as a leading podcaster, award-winning journalist, and motivational speaker. I've seen her speak. She's fantastic on stage. She's a passionate advocate for women entrepreneurs and conscious capitalism. So all my female entrepreneurs listening right now, listen up. Melinda's got some wisdom for you. Melinda's mission is to capitalize an ecosystem where we lift as we climb by mentoring each other. I love that, right? So many times we want to climb to the top of the corporate ladder, the entrepreneurial ladder, and we step on others to do it. Not anymore. Now we're going to lift each other up. Uh, Buying from each other, investing in each other, that's how we're going to do it. Melinda is CEO and founder of the Consciousness Company, Wings Media LLC, a growing network of podcasts with curated communities, events, and online trainings. Melinda also hosts the fast-growing Wings of Inspired Business and 10x Together podcast. She'll talk more about that on the show, as well as the coaching and conscious content platform, Wings of Success, very popular show. She is also CEO and founder of Verifeed, the social intelligence platform assuring a return on authenticity. Now that's interesting. I want to get into that. From Social Media Engagement, she's a practitioner of meditation, so am I, yoga, visualization, gratitude, and intention-setting Melinda is passionate about encouraging conscious leadership and involved entrepreneurship, using business as a canvas to solve global challenges. I love it. Social entrepreneurship. Her travels have taken her to many exotic places, including Sir Richard Branson's Nectar Island and the Amazon rainforest. She's a loving mom to two teenagers and a golden retriever. Aw, puppy love. Melinda, <laughs> welcome to the show. Go ahead and fill in some of the gaps in that intro, would you?
1: Oh my goodness. It was a pretty comprehensive intro. I mean, I don't know. I'm, I'm a serial entrepreneur. I, I started out, I think my entrepreneurial career started out when I was only five, and I went around with my black lab, knocking on doors, demanding that people prepay for my show.
0: <laughs> I love that. That's boring.
1: This is about your first hundred K and you know um, it's really being able to ask for the money. So somehow I knew <laughs> how to do that when I was five and and my black lab was my enforcer, you know, so like don't pay and you're going to have to deal with this four-legged creature here.
0: So, okay. Right? So like Did that just come natural to you asking for the money? Because so many of my listeners, they get stuck on that. They think they're salesmen, they have this negative association of sales. Like how did, what would be one thing you would say to them if like that's a struggle for them asking for the money?
1: Well, you know, what's interesting is it's actually been a struggle for me. So it kind of came naturally to me when I was a little kid until I unlearned, you know, until I learned all these kind of limiting beliefs that you learn mm. that somehow sales is icky or, or you get sold badly by someone else and it makes you, it, it's, it's, right? Like a used car salesman type deal, right? So you learn all the things that are kind of negative, maybe about money. And maybe you learn things along the way that somehow you're not deserving of success, or that if you have money, somehow that's bad. I mean, there are all these things that we learn as kids and meanings that we assign, even just from watching television shows, (laughs) right, Mm. that affect our ability then to go out and, and ask for the sale, and so I find that this this is a really interesting problem for a lot of entrepreneurs. And one of my mentors a while back where I've struggled with this personally on and off all throughout my life. I obviously mm. didn't as a five-year-old. Certain companies were no problem at all. Other companies were tougher. And I think When you realize that you're actually creating value for other people and you actually understand the value you're creating, it's not that you're taking anything from anybody. Mm. It's like you're really creating value. And if you can get into that headspace and you actually know that to be true and you truly believe it, then the sale becomes much easier. And I had a mentor a while back who actually had me go out. I was trying to do a really complicated enterprise software type sale where the lead time was really long maybe a year you had to go into a corporation you had to get a lot of people to say yes and honestly no one ever got fired in a fortune 500 for saying no (laughs) saying yes is risky right Mm -hmm. um if they make the wrong decision so it's really really difficult sale and he just told me to go and get as many no's as possible Okay. Did that change everything for you? It changed everything in that particular context because it was a hard sale and I was intimidated by it, honestly, and it wasn't going very well. So the more that I did it, um, you know, would have these experiences, I, I would start to think, oh God, I'm not worthy or I'm not enough. And it became harder and harder and harder. So it became a mindset issue. And at that point, when he said, go out and get as many no's as possible, the more no's you have, the more you're succeeding, here's what changed. By going specifically for no's, not only did it destigmatize the no, but it meant that I was asking for the sale. Mm. Because to get a no, you have to actually ask. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so the no's very quickly turned to yeses.
0: Wow, so powerful! So, Startup Nation, what? Great wisdom bombs and nuggets that uh, Melinda is dropping right out the gate. The more no's you have, the more you're succeeding. Go get the no's. I'm going to share a quick personal story. I just started a spiritual coaching business. You may or may not know that, Melinda. And uh, I, my coach was like, go get me 10 no's. Ah. And I was like, what? Go get me 10 <laughs> no's. Like, I literally don't want them to say yes to you. Go get me 10 no's. And I went out and I asked 10 people and seven of them said yes yeah. to hire me as a coach. And, and I was like, "Done it. Like they said, yes, I, I didn't get you the no's. And he was like, dude, did you miss the point? Right. And, and then all of a sudden I started chasing yeses. And guess what happened, Melinda? Oh, what? It was harder? Yeah. All of a sudden I started getting a bunch of no's.
1: Isn't that so I interesting? Was- because I think my theory of that is that we get attached to the outcome. That's what it is, and when we put all that on another person, just energetically, mm-hmm. they feel it. I, I, I'm convinced they sort of feel it because you're like, oh my god, if I don't close this sale, like I'm not going to be able to pay my mortgage, or like my kid's not going to have braces, like whatever, right? Whatever you put that on, that's not that other person's problem. Your only job as an entrepreneur is to create value for somebody else to get them from here to hear, you know, to be able to kind of move them from where they are now to where they want to be, help them really see that gap between where they are now and where they wanna be, and then convince them that you have the right solution to be able to get them there. And that requires really understanding your customer and really creating value for them. But when you're attached to the outcome, that's what makes it feel, I think, salesy it's kind of almost imperceptible it can be so subtle but i think we're we're all picking up on each other's energy
0: and it, so yeah it's fascinating that the conversation is going here because it's such a powerful conversation to have because every entrepreneur is impacted by this at one stage or the other of their business in my first company at age 19 our law of averages it was a direct sales company was go speak to 100 people Get 80 no's per day, and you'll end up with 20 yeses. So I literally was on a goal to get my first 80 no's as fast as possible. And every single time it worked. And I was fearless, and I loved getting no's. It was awesome. Now I look at years later, I hate getting no's. What the <laughs> F? Right? And, and to your point, so many limiting beliefs over the years, media and everything, has literally put in this negative... Um, I don't know, way of thinking about, like, rejection.
1: Like right. Like, fear of
0: rejection all of a sudden is a thing. When I was in my 1920s, I loved rejection. Bring it on. What yeah. has changed? Like, what's showing up for you in that?
1: Well, I think that's interesting because we start to have – our our self-worth starts to get wrapped up in it. I mm. mean, think about – Think about what we're surrounded by. Like everybody's posting their fabulousness on you know Facebook and Instagram and how amazing and whatever. And and we get comparisonitis. (laughs) And then not only that, but we get we get too smart for our own good, right? So we're like attached to the outcome, we're attached to this means something about us. Mm -hmm. And I think um women in particular, but I think men too can take it very personally. And business isn't personal. Although it's hard for it not to feel personal when it's something that you created yourself. And so there's a vulnerability in that. So I think there's something that you were saying, like when you were 19, you weren't necessarily selling your own product. You were selling somebody else's product. So it didn't really matter. It wasn't a reflection on you. Mm. But suddenly as an entrepreneur, you're selling your own thing. And so like it feels like when someone says no, they're not just judging the product, but they're judging you. And, and this is where mindset is everything in entrepreneurship, because it's it's really learning to flip that switch to think, oh, failure or rejection, that's just feedback. That customer is helping me make my offer better. That, that customer is telling me what they actually really want. And then but then it requires you to be open enough to be able to fix it and not be rigid. Mm. And so this is the, this is the classic product market fit conversation, right? Where you Mm -hmm. have just because you build something and it's a good idea to you, doesn't necessarily mean that your customers are going to see that value. And, it's tricky. I mean, I I work with a lot of technology entrepreneurs and I am a technology entrepreneur. And I mean, one of the biggest problems in the tech sector is you have this great idea, you go build an app or build a product or whatever, and assume that they will come because you can see it, but just because you can see it doesn't mean anybody else can. So what's so critical is to co-create with your customers, like at a really early, early, early stage because you have to actually understand what problem you're solving. What is the emotional trigger that will make them want to buy? Like, what what is it? And, and then separate yourself personally from the outcome. So again, go get the nose. Mm. But then don't take it personally. Take it as feedback. Like, wow, that person just helped me figure out how I can make the product better.
0: Love it. So Startup Nation, Melindo, uh with stock she's sharing like so many times we look at our product when we're an entrepreneur as our own child ours our baby right and then we're like hey everybody look at my baby don't you love my baby and they say well it's not really the type of baby i would like right and we're like "Oh!" Right? And we take it personally like don't hurt my baby right and melinda's saying hey it's just business like it's not it's personal business. and it's yeah. feedback. It's it's a way for you to better yourself. So start embracing it. I know it's not easy, but it is simple. All right. Well, one so,
1: of, one okay. of the things that really, really helps though too in this is to the more narrow you go, especially at the early stages where you have like, you're willing to polarize. Because I think where people mm-hmm. really struggle too is they try and please everybody. And yes. that's impossible, right? And so getting very, very narrowly focused on who you're first, like your early adopters are, who are going to be your like sort of radically, you know, evangelicals, you know, on behalf of you. Mm -hmm. And, and so having a very, very small niche, getting to know them extremely well, making them extremely happy, those people are going to go recruit more people like them.
0: So let me ask you this. Here's a question around that. So Melinda, what if, and, and I'll use me, right? Just as a a fictitious uh, scenario. What if my my early adopters, the ones that are starting to evangelize me are not my vision of my ideal client? For example, maybe they're awesome to work with, but they're broke, (laughs) right? Right. But, But they're evangelizing me everywhere. And they're like, oh my gosh, you're the greatest. You're the greatest. But I want this client over here that has the deeper pockets. What about that? Is there something there with them that I'm missing and I should focus and shift my, my target? What's your say on that?
1: Yeah, so that's interesting. Like the type of clients that you're attracting can say a lot about either your offer or even your own mindset, um, right? So I think sometimes when we're working with people who don't have a lot of money, there's a much deeper root cause for that because we think that that's where we have to play like we have to kind of graduate from serving that to be able to serve more or whatever right I mean there, there could be so many different um reasons
0: for it so but what I think, would be a mindset shift around that
1: I think really looking at understanding really oh my goodness I mean there's so i sorry I'm just thinking out loud here for a moment, because there can be so many, so many reasons and it's so personal and so different for everybody. Right. Mm. But if we believe, if we have a sense that we're not valuable enough or our offer is not valuable enough, or we don't feel worthy of success, we're going to attract clients who are going to make that true for us.
0: Mm, everyone's because the payoff is look i'm right
1: i'm right now i i i have a theory that you can be right or you can be rich (laughs) (laughs) it's very rare
0: startup nation you (laughs) hear that you can be right or you can be rich because it's very it's very rare that you get both
1: you'll find that the people who are very wealthy and all of that are willing to be taught by their customers they're willing to be flexible they're willing to be wrong they're willing to not take it personally right i mean at the end of the day the other part of the mindset shift really i think is just knowing what you want like who do you want to serve and why who can you help the most i mean so say for instance you are working with people who are who don't have a lot of money well is the goal to help them get a lot of money in which case you can if you're confident that your product or your service works you can structure your deal that they pay you a lot more when they actually get the money you see so i mean there's different ways to do it but it, it's an, it's a, such an interesting one because I see a lot of people starting with this idea like I've got to start kind of down here and then eventually I'll be able to serve people who have more.
0: Right, but because normally the credibility piece is missing where they're like, well, that person up up here with a deep pockets, right, affluent, affluent, uh, may not want to hire me because they don't see the value in me. So I have to kind of like earn my way through the ranks. Is that mm-hmm. not so?
1: I don't think it's so. I think it's an assumption. Interesting. I mean, it, it really depends on what you're doing. Like say for instance, I can coach and I do coach people at all different levels, right? Cause I do a lot of mentoring with women and some of them don't have any money. They haven't made their first hundred K yet or whatever. And they're really struggling. They're kind of like stuck on the startup, you know, sticky floor. Right. And they can't quite, it's always a mindset issue. Hmm. So helping them, To get to that next level is something that I do. But I also work with really, really high ticket clients. If there's one tweak in their business, it's going to mean the difference between being stuck, say, in the high six figures and getting to eight figures by making one decision if, if, if my strategic thing, like, Hey, have you looked at this? This is where you could really create more value for your business, or this is a strategic thing. Or if you hire this person and free yourself up to do this, Mm -hmm. you can get from earning say like 750,000 for your business to being like a 12 million business or a 30 million business. If you do that now, if, if I provide the strategy for that and that person goes Right Mm -hmm. from high six figure, say to eight figure, I've created unbelievable value for them. And so I should be paid in alignment with
0: that. So let me ask you this because you just spoke about uh, maybe the same type of person, but on two ends of the financial spectrum. One hasn't made her first 100K yet, the other is just across 750,000. Is that the same ideal client, the same avatar? Or do you have two separate ones? And how does my listener, who's caught in that conundrum, really kind of like figure that out? Which one do I want to serve? Or well, can they're I serve all, both?
1: They're all, they're all very different. And in my case, I mean, having lived all these different things personally myself. I mean, you know, there's a lot of business coaches out there whose only business is, is being a business coach and they haven't actually grown a business, They're professional (laughs) business
0: coaches, but not actually business Uh, people. Right.
1: Like there's a lot of that. So because I've lived all these different phases, myself personally, I have a very keen appreciation of what it takes at all those different numbers. But if you still have money mindset problems, you can add loads of zeros and you still have the same problem just with more zeros around it right and so so to be able to get to the next phase what's really interesting is you have to be willing to let go of something that you've already mastered you have to be willing to get let go of the kind of inner perfectionist or the the control freak or all that stuff, which is hard for entrepreneurs because we have such a vision of how it has to be when you hire people and when you bring people in, which you've got to be willing to do, you've got to be willing to let them do it their way. Even if their way is 80% as good as yours, that's good enough. You have to be able to let go.
0: Now, is this something you're wrestling with right now?
1: Psychologically, yeah. I've wrestled with this over and over again because I'm a serial entrepreneur. So there's always a place that you get to. At first you start out, you're doing all of it. Then you may have some vendors and some people that you're managing, but you're still like the thing. And then you're in the phase where now you're starting to have teams and stuff, but you're still the bottleneck. You're still the person who has to approve everything. You're still too much in it. And then the next phase, if you really want to get into the seven and eight figures, you've got to be able to let your team, you've got to recruit really great A team players, and you got to let them, like you got to get out of their way.
0: Now, can you share a quick story, say 60 seconds, of when you found yourself as a possible bottleneck in your own business?
1: Oh my God. So say just even business number one, I uh you know, as an adult <laughs> was Capital News Connection. So it was a news agency on Capitol Hill. And we were um we started out with a team of three people. And in that first year, um we had well let's see, what we how were we were serving? We were serving probably about um twenty. Uh, public radio stations and a couple of TV stations in the first year and there were three of us and I was running around I was raising money for the company I was doing all the sales I was doing the payroll I was reporting every day I had like my microphone and by the way I had a baby as well Okay, so I was running around with like a breast pump as well as my microphone and kit. So like, like, a literal, like,
0: literal baby metaphor that I created uh, earlier. I mean,
1: like literally like I was doing that, like the business started when my daughter was six weeks old. Like I wouldn't recommend that, but like I did that, right? Hey, so- listen,
0: for all you mompreneurs <laughs> out there, this is your story.
1: It was pretty crazy, right? Like it's anything's possible, you know, if you have to do it, you do it, right? I I made it work somehow. But anyway, so that first year, and it was getting to the point at the end of that first year where we'd like really proven the concept, but we suddenly like we had to go from a staff of three to a staff of 20. Wow,
0: that's super fast.
1: So like we had we had to hire really quickly, we had to get the processes right, we had to know what we wanted. And, and I learned that the best way to do this is to figure out how to systemize myself. So everything that I was doing to document that process so you can hand it off. Um, and of course I had my own way, like I, 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 the lesson I learned was that I thought I had to tell the how to people. And no, because everybody's gonna have a different way of achieving the same result. But the actual fact is the only thing that mattered was the why. And the what? What were the results? Hmm. Okay. So if everyone's aligned on mission and vision and everybody understands what is the result, a way to get out of the way and really empower and enable your team to really take ownership is to let them figure out their own way to do it. It's not necessarily, like being in the how is the bottleneck.
0: Wow. That goes against so many business uh, books out there. Yeah. that way of thinking. And I agree with it. All right. I'm going to shift the conversation really quickly here because the conversation got so good so fast because we were talking <laughs> about like getting no's and asking for the money. And I was like, you know what? I'm running with this chain because so many of my guests don't uh, speak to that. And this is where my audience, my listener is stuck. This is why they're struggling to make their first 100K. They're scared of rejection. Right. Mm-hmm. So I'm glad we went there, but let's wrap it back around because I have to give context to my audience. Otherwise I'm going to hear from them, Melinda. Okay. <laughs> so they, okay. they'd love to hear like how much gross revenue did your company do approximately in the past 12 months?
1: Oh my goodness. Okay. So we're, it's a, it's a new startup, right? Mm-hmm. So we're in just slightly over 500,000.
0: All right. So that's perfect. Cause you're mm-hmm. in startup mode yourself. I
1: am. Yeah. Again. Okay. So I've done this. I've, I've ridden this roller coaster so many times.
0: Yeah, so you're obviously a startup roller coaster junkie, so we're clear on that. All oh right. my God, yeah. So let me ask you this: How long did it take you to cross the first 100K in this from well, zero to 100K? Okay,
1: so a while because I really took my time. I had kind That's of fine. it's kind of complicated because I had two businesses going. Okay, so this this fifth business was launching as I was doing this other one, and honestly, it's an accidental business. It started out as a podcast. It started out completely as a passion project, wings of inspired business. I, I launched this podcast about a year and a half ago because I wanted to acclaim and affirm the journeys of female entrepreneurs and literally change the face of entrepreneurship. I love that because, because we're not sitting around in a garage, eating ramen noodles, having dropped out of MIT, like women tend to come into entrepreneurship a little bit later in life. Um, you know, maybe like late. 30s 40s 50s is really the sweet spot where we do like amazing stuff and and our our just our dna is a little bit different with it but that's when women really succeed you know seeing all these women build these amazing amazing businesses but like nobody had ever heard of them and then just just of my own like experiences trying to raise capital for um, technology companies where women only get 2% of the venture capital money, even for companies that qualify like to have a 10x, like even companies That's that real. have the potential to be a billion dollar company in venture capital terms. Those companies run by women only two percent of the money. So I was like, Oh my God, this has to change. So like I, I, so I started the podcast really as a passion project, and then it really grew, and I kind of found my voice, and I found myself just like loving the the the, the whole ethos of the podcast is this um, the the intersection between personal growth and. Business. Both. but really it's the same thing. If, if you want therapy, just become an entrepreneur. It's like much. <laughs> it's like cheaper. There's so much,
0: so much <laughs> self-healing in starting a business. There's just so much.
1: Well, all your crap gets thrown up at you, right? Like oh, you yeah, yeah. have to, yeah, if, you, if, you, if you succeed, you have to be willing to, I mean, you do. You just have to you have to be you willing. You can't
0: hide from you your mess, let's just say hide that from way. your
1: mess, and we all have messes, right? We all, we have, all like, have
0: messes, just all right, gonna so, say. So, so Startup Nation Like, I I really want to get clear on this. Like, this is awesome, first off. And let me just say this one truth for me um, I am a huge fan of female entrepreneurs now, so much so, and this is vulnerable and I'll share it, I don't care. Um, but so much so that I started a thing here in Tampa, Florida called uh, Superwoman Entrepreneurs. It never took off, why? Because I Did not connect with my own audience and my heart was for female entrepreneurs and raising them up, but I really didn't know how to speak the language or whatever. And I'm like this guy who looks a certain way. So it didn't work. Right. But I want you to know that, that I believe so many problems in the world right now is because of the male uh, ego and machismo and as, and we're missing the nurturing um, side of business that women bring to the table and i'm not talking about feminism and all that stuff but i'm mm-hmm. talking about true female feminine power which is a gentleness but that can literally um command a room of male egos and i've seen these female leaders walk into a room and just command all those male egos and they didn't do it with that b word quality mm-hmm. they did it with just this gentle yet firm femininity. And I was like, man, like the world needs more of this. I just want to speak to that. But let's, let's go here for a second. Cause I, I can't leave this out or my audience will jump down my throat, Melinda. Melinda, how did you make your first 100K in this business? And specifically what are your top three tips or strategies that my listener can use right now in their business to cross over that 100K milestone if they're stuck right now?
1: Okay, so because this was a, this started out as a podcast business, kind of like a media company or whatever, the the first money came in three ways. I did an online summit with all my guests and sold the recordings. I turned that online summit into a recurring revenue product. Um, called the Wings of Success Inner Circle, which has group coaching and like a, a, you know, constantly renewing library with lessons from more than 70 top women entrepreneurs, all with seven, eight, nine, ten eight, nine, 10-figure businesses, all paying it forward. I recruited those women because there were lots of women in it. I recruited them as affiliates. I gave them 50. Of the top line revenue, but because they were in the program, I was also to take, able to take um, affiliate revenue every time they sold something as a result of my program. And then I did some high ticket coaching, and then I got some sponsorship money from my podcast because I grew the numbers on my podcast. So there are now four revenue streams, right? And and one of them is recurring. The coaching I started with, um, I hadn't really done coaching before. So that was like, you know, doing that kind of selling the coaching thing was originally hard for me. I was a little bit out of my comfort zone with that, right? And like, cause it was very personal to ask for the sale and I just started gradually raising my prices. And really working with a customer to figure out where I could be of most value. So I work with different women at different phases. And um, really, my criteria is not so much how much money they have, but whether they are coachable. Whether Because I can teach and teach and teach and teach. But if somebody's not going to do the work, and if someone's not invested, I don't want to work with them. It wastes my time. And also, I want to see results. I get really upset if I'm coaching somebody and they're not getting results. I don't really want that. So like I have a much better qualification process. And I'm really good at actually the other way around, not just getting no's, but saying no to people. Like you have to qualify to work with me.
0: Love that. All right, Startup Nation. That was a fast like one, two, three. So go back and replay this show and and really pull those nuggets because I I think there's brilliance in that, right? Create uh, free content like a digital summit or whatever, an online summit, and then take that content and repurpose it and sell it. Um, I think I caught step two, but um, create those affiliate- uh, Step
1: step two is a membership site, right? A
0: membership site, I missed that one.
1: With repurposed content that's constantly being refreshed with some group coaching and upsells and individual coaching. And then the other one is like individual coaching. And then the last one was once the podcast got big enough, I've been able to sell some sponsorship around it. And now there's a whole bunch of other things in the wings, things like we do events. We have a retreat, uh, a couple of retreats coming up later in the year called Wings of the Empowered Woman, where they're all, it's immersive, it's all in like beautiful spa surroundings and very much aligned with mission where we're collaborating to really shift that ecosystem so women can play in abundance, step their feminine power, like you were talking about, um, not be dudes trying to succeed because that's authentic, but really leverage the whole like abundance in all areas of our lives and really play bigger. I think most women are actually not so much afraid of failure, they're afraid of success.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: When we step up and play bigger, we're afraid that, oh god, no man's gonna like me, or or like um, you know, my girlfriends won't like me anymore, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And, and so it's a slightly different mindset shift. So we're having these events. And so that's like another revenue stream, right? Because it's like selling tickets for the events, but also sponsorship and tying in the sponsorship for the event,
0: the podcast, the inner circle that I do like Mm -hmm. that. Startup Nation, you see how that works. I mean, you just start with the first thing. And then it just dominoes into the next, hey, how else can we repurpose this? And right. make money? And repurposing content is the way to go, in my opinion, because, I mean, we look at other podcasters like Scott Carson, you know, he'll put out his podcast and then he'll repurpose it into multiple different platforms and monetize it. He does the membership sites like Melinda. There's just so many ways to make money around the thing that you love right? So I I just want to say that. All right. So really quick, and then we're going to wrap up the show. There's so much good content here. I'd let the show run over a little, so we'll round out about 35 minutes. Mental game of entrepreneurship. Give me a 30-second answer on this, Melinda. Why do you think that 90% of entrepreneurs are, are struggling to make their first 100K right now?
1: Because they don't know their customer.
0: Boom. Get that, Startup Nation? get to know your customer, rewind this show. She already told you how to do it. All right. What was the number one daily habit that helped you grow your customer base? Meditation. Meditation. Love it. What was the number one thing that helped you grow your profits?
1: Mm. Oh my goodness. Number one thing to help me grow my profits. I think actually repurposing. I mean, just being really understanding leverage right? Like creating one thing that was going to have a multiplicity of impacts. And you can do that in a number of different ways, right? But just being very, like, I, I call it pre-purposing actually, like with your content, um, but also using technology, really looking for ways that you can scale. So do one thing that has a multiplicity of
0: results. Love that. And, and final question this round, how do you stay inspired and take consistent action through obstacles and challenges, which sometimes leave you feeling defeated.
1: Um, Being alignment with my mission. This is not about my ego. I have stuff to go do in the world. I got to go change things in the world. There's a lot of problems, right? And this is why I'm a believer in conscious capitalism or entrepreneurship for social good. And one of the reasons I call my media company a consciousness company. I have a mission that's bigger than me. So if I fail or fall down today, oh, well, you know, that's just a blip. Like I'm actually doing this. I feel like I'm sort of an instrument of something bigger. And so I think the really important thing is to actually know why you're here in an earth suit right now (laughs) and and do a business that has meaning for you. Because if it's just a pure transactional beige business, it's not going to excite you when things go wrong. And like, Every business is as hard as another, maybe in slightly different ways. You can launch a small business or you can launch, it's going to be a unicorn, a billion dollar business. It's still the same amount of work, okay? But it really, seriously, it's the same amount of work. So, but the one thing, the one differential is just being in alignment with your true calling, your true purpose, and aiming for that mission. Um, Love it. Startup nation and that's what yeah, and that's what's going to inspire people to work with you too when you're when you're looking for your team.
0: It's true. When people see someone lit up and like moving forward, they're like, hey, where are you going? I want to go. Yeah. Right? That's just how it works. I got it. All right. So Startup Nation, we've been speaking with Melinda Whitstock. You can find her at melindawittstock.com. I'll have the links in the show notes. And also, she's working on a summit. Um, she's gonna speak about it in a second, but you can find that at wingsummit.com. That's wings. Summit.com. Melinda, welcome to my favorite part of the show, The Hustle Round. This is where I'm going to ask you 10 quick fire questions. You'll have about three seconds to answer each. Don't Ooh. overthink it. It's just for fun. Are you ready? Yes, yeah, sure. All right. What's your favorite thing about being an entrepreneur?
1: Oh, oh man. Oh, God. I've got so many things that I love about being Give entrepreneur. One. Um, freedom.
0: What's your least favorite thing?
1: Um, oh, gosh. Un- uncertainty, I guess.
0: Yeah, I got it. If you were being completely transparent with my audience right now, vulnerable even, what are you most afraid of?
1: Oh, what am I uh, not making a dent in the universe, like not fulfilling my mission.
0: Got it. What did you spend way too much time doing your first year in business?
1: Perfecting everything.
0: (laughs) (laughs) What secret fear do you have about people or about yourself?
1: Um, secret fear about people. Um, but they just don't care to be their best
0: selves. (laughs) I think I have the same one as you. What do you wish you had learned sooner in your business? Scale. Scale. Love it. Pre-purpose. I really like that a lot. What's a new habit you want to form?
1: Um, I want to actually really dig deeper into what I'm doing right now. That rather than having tasks, I have intentions, like living really intentionally and in increasingly in flow consciousness.
0: Yeah, I got it. What's a bad habit you want to break?
1: Perfectionism.
0: <laughs> got it. Pick three words to describe who you are now
1: um, conscious, uh, inspired, um, resilient
0: got it pick three words to describe who you were your first year in business
1: determined willful (laughs) overconfident
0: yeah that's dangerous (laughs) and last question Melinda if you could go back in time uh, not back in time if you could uh, come back to life after you died look your family and friends in the eye and give them only one piece of advice What would you say to them?
1: Live in your zone of genius.
0: Live in your zone of genius, startup nation. Any final wisdom? What's the one thing you want my listener to know about making their first $100,000?
1: Oh, my God. Do what you love to do, not what you think you're supposed to do.
0: Or what others tell you to do.
1: Yeah, like just love the process. Really, if you don't love your customers, you're not going to succeed. If you don't care about your customers, you're not going to succeed. You, you've got to figure out that sweet spot between your calling, like what really lifts your boat, you know what I mean? Like, And that there has to be a correlation between what you love to do and the impact that you're having um, for your customers. You really have to care about them enough to co-create, enough to listen to them, to serve them and be in mission. Yeah.
0: Boom, love it. And what's the best way for Startup Nation to get in touch with you? Maybe Mm -hmm. even uh, about your summit. Go ahead and take uh, 30 seconds.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So you can check out wingssummit.com. So brought together 65 really top female entrepreneurs, many of them, some of them with unicorns like uh, Kara Golden um, and JJ Verge and a lot of like well-known female entrepreneurs and some who are not so well-known, all teaching lessons across mindset. We've been talking about today, Mojo, everything from personal branding to sales, marketing, hacks, through to health hacks, through to fundraising. I mean, it's really very comprehensive. Um, You can stream it for free or like really for the price of a mani-pedi, download all the recordings. It's much easier. Um, You can also kind of upgrade to join the Wings of Success Inner Circle, and that's the membership site that we've been talking about. You get access to me either as one-on-one coaching or group coaching and my referral network of other entrepreneurs, mentors, and investors um you can also apply to come to the our retreat wings of the empowered women uh, wings of the empowered woman um you can go to wingsexperiences.com slash apply so wings experiences.com slash apply and then of course i'm ubiquitous everywhere on social media instagram melinda whitstock 2020 Facebook, Melinda Wittstock. Public figure pages, I am Melinda Wittstock. You can find my podcast everywhere. You get podcasts. Wings of Inspired Business is one of them. Um, the other one is 10X Together, Couplepreneurs in Business. We talk a lot about work life balance and all these things with amazing couplepreneurs. Um, and so you can find me there. Let's see, Twitter. I'm Melinda Wings, is my new Twitter. I don't do as much Twitter. So really, Facebook and Instagram are the.
0: Startup Nation, can you tell that this woman is on a mission to put a dent in the universe? <laughs> I mean, she just went through the longest list I've ever had on this show, right? You can contact me here, 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 here. But you know what? She's up to good in the world. And I like her. And I think it's, it's beautiful that she's adding value uh, to others. And she's raising the female Consciousness, as they say, I love talking spirituality words. It's so <laughs> cool, um, in the entrepreneur space, and and I think it's much needed and it's overdue, for sure. So, Startup Nation, do you enjoy listening to my show? Like, do you love listening to the inspiring stories, like Melinda Whitstock's story? Do you love hearing this? Then go to iTunes if you haven't subscribed and subscribe to the show, put a five-star review, write about what you loved about Melinda, what inspired you to actually go and do something in your business today that's going to shift everything for you and get you over that 100K mark. Everything changes when you hit that 100K. It's like the first milestone. It's like the pat on the back of like, wow, I got a real business. It's working. And we all need that, I think, right? So go go do that five-star review. Melinda Whitstock, you are a superstar. Thanks for joining me today.
1: <laughs> oh my goodness, it's been such a pleasure. I love this and, and you got a great podcast. I like you too. You're doing amazing, amazing work in the world. So thank you for all that you do. And it's been a real delight to chat with you this morning.
0: Thank you so much. All right, Melinda, God bless. Take care and we will speak with you another day. Cheers. Bye. Startup Nation, you cannot show up authentically in your business without building faith in your business. If you want to have that conversation on the faith side of things, go check out my other podcast called Broken Catholic. On that show, I interview all different guests about why the world isn't working right now. Plus, I tackle unspeakable topics that you may secretly struggle with but won't admit. we got to get your faith right to get your business right. Go to BrokenCatholic.com. I'm Joseph Warren, and you were made for greatness. So stop being a wuss and start being a winner. Have a blessed day, and I'll see you right back here next week.